Welcome to The Digital Patient, where we discuss the latest advancements in digital patient engagement and share stories from the front lines. I'm your host, Alan Sardana, and with me as always is CMOSMD CEO, Dr. Joshua Liu. Today we're joined by our very special guest, Dr. Mike Hahn. Mike is the Chief Medical Information Officer for CareConnect, an independent business unit of multi-care health systems charged with providing innovative information technology services to both internal and external constituents. He is board certified by the American Board of Urology and Urological Surgery and the American Board of Preventative Medicine and Clinical Informatics. Prior to his tenure at MultiCare, Mike was the Chief of Surgery and CMIO at Pacific Medical Centers, Associate Medical Director of the Uniformed Services Family Health Plan, and a System Surgical Informaticist for Providence. Mike attended Brown University, where he earned a bachelor's degree in biochemistry. He received his MD from the University of Michigan and completed his urology training at the George Washington University School of Medicine. He earned a certificate in medical management from the University of Washington and is currently enrolled in the executive MBA program at the Wharton School of Business. He lives in Bellevue with his wife, two children in high school, and two dogs. When he's not thinking about governing, maintaining, and optimizing the electronic health record, he enjoys tennis, downhill skiing, and wine tasting. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow, that's a great intro. <laughs> so, 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 Mike, I'm actually going to go off script. Uh, my first question. Uh, so, so, that's okay. So, in your bio, it sounds like a lot of your time is spent governing, mean, thinking about governing, maintaining, and optimizing the EHR. I just want to check in. How, how much time are you spending a week on that? Because it sounds like that might not leave enough time for tennis, skiing, and white wine tasting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, it, 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 it's um. It takes up quite a bit of time. I, I got to be honest. Multicare's instance of ethic has been around quite a while. You know, the ambulatory part of our instance is 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 I believe over 20 years old, and so there's a there there's there's a lot of um, code that's sort of hidden in the nooks and crannies of of our instance of ethic, and so there's there's never a, a shortage of surprises when we're trying to change something or build something. I think that healthcare is a calling. There's a lot of other things that we can do that make more money, take less time, cause less heartache. But the the bottom line is that 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 if you're going to be involved in healthcare, you you really need to be bought into the, the the vision and mission of improving health and and so when i first started this job at multicare I, I wanted to take about a month off between my 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 previous gig and this one and uh ben actually convinced me that they needed me and that i should come in at least part-time and so we finagled something where 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 i was working part-time and and I, what I found was was that I started working part time, and there were all these sort of problems and issues that were coming up, and 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 when I was cycling, or when I was in the shower, or when I was you know swimming laps, or what have you, I I I found myself sort of thinking through these things, and and one of my buddies got you know he he he's he's um he said they, Mike they got you for shower time. They got you for yeah. your shower time, right? Because you're sitting there in the shower and you're trying to think through these problems and issues. 
and and even though you're part-time you're still working through things as if you're full-time mm-hmm. so you know i i do i do tend to dwell on things and i do tend to to think through things and i and and and, and there's a significant amount of bleed over from my professional life into my personal life and hobbies for better or for worse. Mm. But, but I do think that part of that comes from healthcare being, 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 being a calling and, and that it's not something that you can just sort of turn on and turn off. Uh, So I guess that's, that's really where I would, uh, that's really where I go with that is, is that even when I'm, and and it's probably my terrible work-life balance, but (laughs) But yeah, I mean, on the chairlift, are there times where I'm thinking through, you know, when I was taking care of patients? When, yeah, I mean, uh, were there times where I would think through, um, is there times where I would think through informatics problems on the chairlift or, you know, in between points? Pro- yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, 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 you know, wine tasting in general is, is a very social activity. Um, and, and typically I, I, I taste with, other physicians, but also other software, you know, here in the, here in the Seattle area, there are plenty of software engineers, uh, and, and, and just being able to bounce ideas off of people from different backgrounds, um, uh, does work tend to creep into those conversations 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and some of my biggest insights have been, uh, in those types of situations. And so, so yeah, I, I, I do think that, that, uh, uh, my hobbies, tend they 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 do tend towards towards these situations that give me a place where 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 i can still discuss work but have fun at the same time mm-hmm. you, you, you that's funny, probably why and it's probably why i wrote it that way <laughs> i love that I, I so it's funny you mentioned uh you know and we joke about the value of, of let's say the, the shower time but i know for me um, some of my best ideas about, about seamless have come like, you know, just like, uh, trying to clear my head, you know, while taking a shower or, or like on my like daily, like 45 minute walk outside, or just like that mental time alone. Some of my best ideas have come through that. So actually I think in many ways, like this should be a premium on the, t- on, on like what seeps into your shower time or your cycling time, whatever it is, uh, or your skiing time, because that's actually a lot of times when your best thinking comes through. So mm-hmm. You know, I think organizations need to realize that's actually a really valuable time that if, if, if work seeping into that, uh, that that's meaningful. So it's it, and and, it, and again, you know, one of my one of my old bosses used to say, you know, I don't pay you forty hours a week, right? I pay you for your expertise and I pay you for your 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 thought leadership, uh, and 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 unfortunately that doesn't end at the at, at the end of your eight hour day or your 10 hour day you, you 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 still if you really enjoy what you do you still it, it it ends up bleeding over into that into that time for better or for worse and so it's uh i think that these types of jobs uh, that's the beauty of these types of jobs is that you get to think through problems and issues um and and, and again it never really leaves you and Mike, you, you have this amazing story of how you, you got to this point. You, you mentioned that, you know, medicine is very much a calling. And so uh, I'm wondering if you could take us back to, you know, medical school and your roller coaster into residency and beyond, just because I think a lot of folks who are way early in their training probably have a lot of the same 
thoughts that you had going through training, but um, often when we were facing um, struggles in, in medical school and residency, we don't talk about it a lot. So do you mind kind of taking us back to, to medical school and kind of what your experience was going into residency? Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I think it's an, I, I certainly think it's an interesting narrative, but it's, it's about myself. Right. And so, so I'm a, I'm a third generation physician. So both, you know, so my grandfather uh, was a physician, both my parents uh, were physicians. Um, I was accepted to medical school uh, right out of high school. Uh, I was accepted into an eight year program uh, right out of high school. And so I never, I never considered it as much of a privilege as I should have. And, yeah. and I think that a lot of that had to do with my maturity level at that point. I didn't appreciate the experience or the journey while, you know, while I was there. And I hate to say this, but I probably considered it more of a birthright hmm. uh, than, than a privilege. And, and, and for those of us that have gone through medical school, if, if that's the attitude that you go into it with, uh, it can be a pretty painful experience. Uh, it, it's, it's not, it, it's something that you have to um, be mentally and emotionally and physically uh, prepared for because it is, it, it is the four years of medical school are an assault on your, on, on, on your mind. So, you know, after going through three years of medical school um, and starting my clinical rotations, I, I was really unsure as to whether or not I, I wanted to finish. Um, uh, I, I think that I was fairly certain that I would finish medical school. But uh, did I want to go on with training and did I want to uh, go on to a, a career in practicing medicine? And, um, and so the, the, uh, during my fourth year, I had uh, the, the, uh, a chance to, to rotate on, on urology uh, at the University of Michigan. And I think that the, 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 looking back, I really, liked, um, I really liked the people that I was on service with. I liked the residents. Uh, I liked the attendings. And and I felt like wow I could really be I could really be one of these people, and and I actually enjoyed the work as well. Uh, it was the first rotation in in anywhere in medical school that where I was like wow this is something that I could really do, and and so uh, urology here in the states is is what's called an early match um, uh, specialty, and so it was already October of my September of my fourth year. Uh, and we needed to have our applications in probably a month or two after that. But but you know they they supported me, uh, they got me through it. I, I I did my applications, and then in December during my fourth year of medical school, I um I my dogs are going to start barking right now. <laughs> uh, you have a lot of dogs in the audience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so um, see, I was able to predict the future. Um. All right. So my wife just closed the door. The uh, and so in December of in December of my fourth year, I, I got noticed that I did not match. Uh, and I did not match. And it was the first time in my life up until that point that I didn't get what I had gone for. I didn't achieve what what I thought that I would achieve. And, and to me, that was that was sort of a sign from God. OK. Now I know I'm not going to become a doctor. I'm going to mm -hmm. graduate from medical school. But, but, but did you apply for anything else, or was it you were you only applied urology? Urology, yeah. Oh. Urology, and at the time there was probably 200 and 215 spots or so in the entire country, and they had 400 medical students that applied for it. So, um, 
so I, so so the, and so starting uh, uh, December of of my fourth year of medical school, uh, I, I started to apply. Uh, I, you know, as a backup, I applied to uh, the School of Public Health at the University of Michigan um, uh, uh, to do to to get an MPH uh, after medical school. Uh, I applied for jobs um, uh, uh, in 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 investment banking and management consulting. Uh -huh. Uh, and it was uh, it was an interesting time in that I, I got uh, responses of gosh we really wish that you had a little bit more clinical experience hmm. or gosh it would be nice if you had more IT experience uh, because we need we need more IT expertise uh, than anything else um, and so push came to shove I graduated from medical school um, in June and on July fifth. <laughs> On July 5th, I got a phone call from uh, the Department of Urology at George Washington University saying, so uh, one of our guys um, has decided that he doesn't want the position anymore. Hmm. Uh, and typically residency start on July 1st. And so uh, he came in and for one reason or another, he decided that he didn't want it anymore. Uh, they needed. They had a spot to fill uh, emergently, and they basically looked to see who on their match list uh, hadn't matched. Uh, and apparently, my name came up pretty early. Wow. And uh, they reached out, and a couple of weeks later, I was uh, starting my internship at at George Washington, which was a, a real roller coaster. But it was a it was a great experience. Mm. Um, urology residency was 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 uh, pretty amazing. I really enjoyed my time uh, at George Washington, Fairfax Hospital, uh, Washington, D.C. Um, I look back on those years very fondly, uh, although, you know, during the time um, it was it was difficult. I'm not going to lie. But I think that that having a new mindset, you know, going into residency where like this wasn't my birthright, but, mm -hmm. you know, this is something that I, I really needed to appreciate. Uh, the and, and all the opportunities that were afforded me, uh, it, it, I think it changed my perspective and and, and allowed me to to do well um, and and keep the patient at the center and mm. and and really understand why it is that I was there. And sorry, Mike, Mike, can I ask you like if if you didn't get that call from George Washington, were you planning to try and apply to residency again that year, or at that point were you just like you know what, like mentally uh, you moved on maybe, or I had moved on. Wow. I had moved on. It was, uh, I was, I was done. Hmm. So was, was, was done. that a, did you have to think a long time about saying yes to that opportunity or how hard was that decision to say, you know what, I guess I'm going to do urology. I, uh, <laughs> I still remember actually, I call my mom, right. I call my mom and she was at her office and, and, uh, I said, so, you know, I got, and, and I was working, I was working for uh, the CFO of the of the medical center at Michigan, uh, and, uh, and I wasn't particularly sure what he was going to do with me. But but uh, um, I was there, and and I said, you know, hey mom, I got this phone call uh, from from the university uh, from from George Washington saying that they they need someone to fill a urology spot, and 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 she said, she said, so when are you leaving? <laughs> <laughs> And, and I said, well, I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to go. And she's like, what do you mean you haven't decided? <laughs> um, and 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 I took I took a weekend to to chew on it, 
and 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 really in the end i i it 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 um it wasn't a difficult decision mm-hmm. for me to make um i i was able to to sort of um i was able to make that decision pretty quickly that's amazing i love that story yeah <laughs> I love it in particular, like just that shift in mindset. It's almost like that needed to happen to then go on with this whole career. And like you said, put the patients at the center, not think so much about yourself, but really understand why you're doing what you're doing. I love that, Mike. Um, and then actually, you know, you, you became a urologist, you went on with that. And then about a decade ago, you began your journey into health IT. So you knew, you know, back then how important IT was and how they were looking for that. Uh, but you got really involved with digital health. Um, you got really into Epic. You became a super user for the Department of Surgery uh, and then an Epic physician champion where you led a team of super users, basically the liaison between your IT and the provider staff. What motivated you to first get involved with tech? Huh. I, I think that... I wish that I could say that it was super intentional, right? I mean, I wish that I could say, oh yeah, this experience, you know, during my fourth year of medical school where I was told, you know, if you really want this job, uh, you need to have more IT experience. Um, you know, I I had, you know, I, I had grown up, you know, using computers and learning how to code in high school. I never really took it anywhere uh, but I certainly, you know, the, the introduction to coding in high school um, allowed me to have an understanding of, of, of a lot of logic um, and, and how things were supposed to work. I, you know, once we stood up Epic, um, I got pretty good at it very quickly. And I think that, that it, was, it was more a function of of my understanding of the underlying logic that that was being used to 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 create that, that to create what epic really was and and so I, I got good at it pretty quickly and i was part of the physician leadership and quite honestly it was that 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 position you know we the the cmo who was our de facto informatics leader before there was really an informatics program had left uh, and and uh, and I was part of physician leadership and they said we really need somebody to to help out with this and it was oh uh, Mike you're good at epic and you're already a physician leader can you step into this role and and so like a lot of us I, I it, it, you know from that generation of informaticists uh, I, I, I sort of call us accidental informaticists mm-hmm. or uh, because you sort of I'm sure that there were more thoughtful people than me that 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 actually took on the role role, you know, uh, intentionally. But but for me, if you had asked me in 2005, you know, when I was finishing my urology residency, uh, whether or not I'd be involved in informatics, I would have said, "What's informatics?" Mm. Number one, and then number two, I would have said, uh, "No, I'm going to be operating my brains out." Uh, and, 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 and literally, you know, six or seven years after residency, uh, was completed, I was, I was leading a, a, a small informatics team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so 
it's not as intentional as one 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 might think. It was uh, it was more based upon interest and and again, you know, being in the right place in the right time. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk about. I mean, we can talk about Malcolm Gladwell and we can talk about outliers and 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 yeah. I mean, I I I, I think that really I was I had some of the skills that were necessary and i was in the right place in the right time and this uh, this opportunity was was offered offered to me and i took it um i wish it was more intentional gosh i wish, wish it was more <laughs> intentional but but it but 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 it's it was it it, it was it was a, I, I felt like it was a great opportunity it was funny i remember um i saw this this great presentation um by a gentleman named jordan banks jordan banks used to be the head of facebook canada and he was doing this uh, convocation presentation for for kind of his uh, university he graduated from, and he kind of put this little chart on the screen about um, showing how um, his career journey um, going from I think he started off as a, a lawyer or something and ended up as the head of Facebook Canada. But he was telling the, the graduating class, you know, if someone had asked me, you know, twenty years ago where I was going to end up in my career, um, all the things I did along the way, I would have not predicted at all. And the only reason I ended up here at the time in his current role was just, you know, saying yes to accidental opportunities that came along the way. And his whole point was, you know, humans are just very bad at predicting the future, especially around career journeys. And the key thing is just like being open-minded, following your curiosity, not trying to plan everything out. And I think your story is a great one of that. I mean, I think a big thing that you did was that you, you said yes, and you followed your curiosity. And yeah, I mean, clearly it was, I mean, informatics wasn't even a word that you used back then, but um, I just feel like a lot of really successful people have just like let the accident opportunity, um, not just show up, but actually say yes to it and put in the time and effort. And, uh, probably most people, you know, even if they want to make it seem like the narrative was, was like pre-written by them and probably in most cases it wasn't, I mean, can't imagine too many cases where people actually had planned out their entire careers and they were right. That just seems unreal to me. Maybe there's a few outliers there who exist, but. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that you, I, I think that you're probably right, I, and 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 if it were all planned out, it would be a little bit boring, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, the the twists and turns are are uh, sort of what make make this a uh, uh, make this an interesting journey. Hey, can I ask you a random point. question? So, um, you know, depending on where where you worked um, in clinical informatics, you know, you may have used uh, Epic or Cern or Meditech or something else. Um, do, do you feel like talking to your colleagues and your experience as well, um, if you started off working with a certain EHR and you wanted to build a career in, in, in clinical informatics, um, is, it, is it easy to, to move? You know, let's say you wanted to move to a new health system and take on a leadership role with a totally different EHR. Does that really, does it really matter if you start off on one of the, on a certain EHR, but not another, or is it, are the principles so common that... If you were good, it doesn't really matter where you started. I, I think the principles are common enough, and I, I mean, you know, our so Multicare's CHIO Ori uh, Ori Lotan, uh, he actually started in a Cerner shop, uh, and then he came over to Multicare, which is an Epic shop. Uh, and so I, I think that the principles remain the same. You know, I mean, your principles of clinical decision support, uh, you know, on the underlying logic, right? I mean, database architecture. Uh, I mean, we we can talk about all these things, but but I mean, I, I I do think that if you're a good informaticist in Cerner, you can be a good informaticist in 
in in epic and, and, and you know one of one of my one of my colleagues and friends um he's an informaticist for uh providence super talented guy uh and uh kang su and and he he started with meditech uh and and uh and now he he's he's very he's 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 one of the best i know uh, in terms of informatics, and, and he works for Prov, and he works in Epic, and so I—I I, I mean, I have so much respect for for people who have been in 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 different records and have led different records because I I think that that can only make you better. Totally, Mike. You know, um, you were a member of Epic's Urology Steering Board, and you know, this was a, a national committee to improve the urology user experience. Um, what would you say is the hardest thing about improving the the clinician user experience when it comes to health IT? So, uh, from a urology steering board uh, perspective, I, it was neat to be on calls with 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 you know uro urological informaticists. There, mm. There's not a lot of us. We're we're out there, but there's not a lot of us. Um, like you can count it on one hand, or <laughs> <laughs> there's there, there's there's more than one hand, right? But I mean, it's it's it, hand, but, but but not, but but maybe two hands. Uh, so uh, I think that the most interesting thing was was realizing how different. And this flies in the face of just you know what I just talked about mm -hmm. in terms of, in terms of you know why does why does what works here not work here, but it, what what was really interesting was um, how far ahead certain places were mm -hmm. in terms of 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 uh, <laughs> optimizing um, um, their instance of Epic from a urological perspective. And and how far behind other instances were, um, and 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 even when the steering board was able to align and say this is what we need, and Epic actually built it, how it wasn't as easy as you would think for these individual institutions to actually take on that upgrade, right? Because you know, the every institution had to do the, you know, the, to do the value equation and basically say, uh, okay, uh, how much value is this going to bring to our institution? How much uh, work build effort do I need mm -hmm. to put into this? Do I build this for the three urologists that we have on staff when there are, you know, 60 primary care docs who are needing this, this, and this, right? And, and so, it, I, I think it was, I think it was eye-opening uh, mm -hmm. to to try to to see how difficult it was to get that sort of implemented across instances, and and I saw, you know, I saw it from Epic's perspective, right? I saw it from the vendors' perspectives, like, ooh, wow, this is this is hard work. This is not this is not easy uh, to necessarily do. Right. And it was, and, and as the customer, you always felt like, well, if they would just build it, then everyone could take it. Or if they would just tell us what to do, then everyone could take it. And, and it wasn't true. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so I, I, I felt like that was the, the most interesting part, uh, of that experience is the difficulties to sort out the, 
the differences uh, between instances, even though they were still on the electronic, the same electronic health mm-hmm. record, and they were using the same vendor. Mike, is one of the challenges that people like yourself who often end up on these kind of boards and advisory committees, you're typically the most visionary, forward-thinking, you know, super users. And in some ways, sometimes you may not represent, let's call it the average user. So even though everyone on that board would say, oh, absolutely, we would use this tomorrow. In the reality, the rest of your team would say, uh, no, I don't, I don't really care to change what I'm doing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that certainly, you know, building for building for the the for a super user or a power user to use epic speak uh or building for your 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 most comfortable end users uh doesn't necessarily address those users that that are that are you know sort of slower on the adoption curve uh and and are just struggling to keep up and you know and it's something that <laughs> It's something that 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 I think that we all struggle with in IT is, and something that I'm really thoughtful about lately is, we tend to add things to workflow. We don't do as good of a job as subtracting things from workflow, and 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 um, and so for that end user that you talk about, that's not necessarily as savvy we we need to simplify the process but in general we we really only add uh um and and i would really like us to get to a place where we say okay these are the things that we really removed from what you need to do how can we automate um uh certain parts of the workflow to make your life easier uh, how can we um, make it so that you don't need to have a human uh, do a lot of things that 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 I think all of us understand that 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 computers can do, right? Um, and 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 we just still we we still haven't gotten there. And this is going to be me on my soapbox, but I, I mean one of one of the one of the things that that bothers me the most about a lot of the the AI and the machine learning that 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 that's going on out there. It, it, and this is my perception. You know, it's like Watson comes in and says, "Hey, we're going to replace radiologists," and 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 I think that's I think that's the that's the wrong approach, in my humble opinion, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to replace the most complex part mm-hmm. of of healthcare is is the the physician or the nurse right the healer you're trying to replace that with 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 ai and machine learning when what we should be doing is is that we should be going after the the easy the 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 other parts of the process that that are more painful Mm -hmm. uh you know the prior authorization uh you know the 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 scheduling and registration the the and 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 i know that there are vendors out there that are doing this but but again i mean but but really the big hoopla was around we're gonna we're gonna replace radiologists and pathologists there was there was an editorial in jama that said that in in 10 years there's going to be no radiology right radiology residency or or something along those lines and and it hasn't come to fruition thank god right but it's we, we we really need to be looking at parts of the process 
that that don't add as much value and 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 you know one way that i sort of think about i i you know i grew up in detroit and henry ford was this giant there's the 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 um you know he didn't and i know that he had a fraught relationship with some of his workers but again i mean he didn't try and replace the worker he tried to make the job easier for the worker to do um and 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 really we we need to focus on on making the 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 easier parts of the job the job that we don't the the parts of the job that can be automated automated as opposed to trying to replace the physician and at the same time adding more work for the physician or the nurse to do so i i'm all for simplification and automation and uh but but you know if we're going to replace doctors let's let's make that at the very end you know when 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 we actually can do when, when we removed all the non-value added things um and you know if that's 20 years from now or 50 years from now or 100 years from now whatever right but i mean it's there's so many parts of the process that we can focus on um uh, to make things easier i i love that idea of you know how do we eliminate complexity how do we remove workflows and steps that aren't useful or even maybe you know arguably remove things we've implemented that actually aren't value add or useful. And so it's funny because I think a lot of times there's like probably pressure to build a resume of, oh, I, I did this new thing. I implemented this new thing. It was successful. But actually someone who came and said, hey, I got rid of these 10 things that weren't value add and I saved everyone time and money because I, I deleted all these things in the workflow or the EHR or whatever it is, that should be celebrated. And I'm sure a lot of people would be like, hurrah, I don't have to like go to that stupid meeting anymore or, or whatever, you know, but we don't, it sounds like we don't celebrate removing complexity or, or non-evaluated things enough, or even things that used to be useful just aren't anymore over time. And it wasn't a bad idea at the beginning, but maybe it is now, but it's hard to, I think it's, it's hard to celebrate or it's not in the culture all the time to celebrate removing things, deleting things, even though to your point, it probably should be actually, people would be really happy. And I mean, I'll give you an example, and, and, and it's hard, I'll, you know, I'll give you an example that we're struggling with right now was, uh, you know, a couple of years back, there was a change in, 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 the, in, in the documentation rules um, for physician notes, where, where in the past we would have to document a, a certain number of review of systems, organ systems that were, uh, 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 were, were reviewed in the review of systems, or we had to document a certain number of physical, uh, a certain number of organ systems that we included in our physical exam in order to, to be able to, to code a certain uh, uh, level of complexity for a visit. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, those rules uh, uh, were thrown out uh, uh, and, and they were replaced with, you know, we're going to base this completely either on time or on the complexity of your medical decision making. And you're no longer going to have to check the box in terms of, uh, you know, I did, you know, seven uh, different organ systems in my in my physical examination, or I did nine different uh, 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 organ systems in my review systems. And, and we thought that this would be a huge advance for for physicians in terms of decreasing our documentation time in terms of decreasing note bloat in terms of you know reducing the number of characters uh that 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 we would be using uh in our notes uh in terms of reducing you know reducing dictation time um and chris kelly uh, um our uh, uh acmio for data analytics here at at, at multicare uh, uh did this he, he 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 did this study and he looked at whether or not 
the length of physician notes, admittedly a crude metric, but you know, still a metric. Was there any difference, you know, pre before that law changing and after that regulation changing? And there's no difference. There's no difference, even though we've said, hey, you don't need to document that 11, you know, 11 organ system physical examination. Um, you don't need to do that anymore. We can't break them of the habit. Mm -hmm. We cannot break them of that habit. And, 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 and so I, and, and that was, and we, there were a lot of us who felt like that was going to be a big win for a lot of physicians. And it ended up not being as much of a win mm -hmm. as we thought it was going to be. Um, and, um, and I don't know, and I'm not smart enough, or I don't know at this point, how do you force that issue, right? How do you say to the doc, hey, look, you're, you're, you know, you're spending 20 minutes per note. I have a way to cut you down from 20 to 16 how can we get there? Um, but I think that we can do better. I, I think that that we I think that that our end users deserve better. Um, but I, I'm not 100% certain how we'll get there. But I, I do think that a net subtraction can sometimes it's certainly not as sexy as as, as that bright shine mm -hmm. new object, right? But I think that we can get to a point where where subtraction um, is is as sexy as that bright shiny new object. There should be uh, someone should get a presentation at, at Epic's UGM where, where all they do is talk about the ten things that I got rid of last year. <laughs> you, you, you got to make it sexy. You got you got to like get on stage. You got to celebrate it um, because I, I think I think unless people get recognized for it, uh, people don't under people may not believe that the organization actually cares about it or, um, but yeah, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Definitely true. Well, Mike, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Care Connect. Uh, you know, you're now the CMIO over there. Uh, basically Care Connect, as I understand it, it's a way to extend MultiCare's Epic instance to help serve the community, the broader community. Can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing with Care Connect and why this effort is important? Yeah, you know, so the first instance that I was involved in was a very small instance. I mean, it was <clears throat> it was probably one of the smallest instances in the country where where we only had 150 providers. It was an ambulatory only instance. And <clears throat> it was it was hard. It was hard work. Uh it was hard work. It was hard to, you know, stay current, uh keep up with the upgrades and the updates that that constantly kept on hitting us. Uh, as well as the optimizations that we just discussed, mm -hmm. um, and, and and you know I wasn't part of the initial discussions, but but had Community Connect, which is what Epic calls it, um, been available at that time, I, I think I would have had a hard time saying no to a Community Connect mm -hmm. relationship. Uh, and so you know I had firsthand experience of what it was like to try and go Epic Direct a, a, as a smaller institution, and and, and I think that. That Epic's, you know, market penetration in terms of smaller institutions speaks for itself, and and they are trying to address some of that with with I think Garden Plot is what it's called, uh, but uh, as well as the Community Connect program, uh, <clears throat> the the ability to extend an instance of Epic 
at a lower cost to organizations like my old one, um, it was meaningful to me, right? I mean, it was it was it, it was like, wow, that is that is pretty cool that MultiCare would go out and 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 extend its instance to to certainly surrounding providers, uh, but also uh, other um, hospitals. Um, the, the, the thought of extending it to critical access hospitals, uh, you know, federally qualified health centers, uh, tribal health clinics, uh, all places that would, you know, not necessarily be able to access, you know, an industry leader vendor in terms of electronic health record uh, was meaningful to me. And, and it's, it's certainly something that is, um, uh, um, uh, it, I think that, that it's, it's, yeah, it was definitely meaningful to be able to offer it to people that, or clinics and patients uh, who wouldn't otherwise be able to afford it. Right. So I, I think that it's, it's, I think that the, you know, Care Connect at MultiCare is 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 um, is I um I think that Care Connect I don't want to use the word meaningful again, but I mean it's it's uh it's certainly mission and vision driven, mm -hmm. uh and and um it appealed appealed it appealed to me. Uh, I think that the other part of Care Connect that is so important. And I think that I touched on this before was that multicare does not have a monopoly on everything that's right. And, and, and if we can get better together, um, I think that's the most important. I, I think that that's one of the other uh, very important parts of having a program like care connect is, is that the ability to serve external customers, um, or getting to a point where you're good enough to serve external customers will only improve your ability to serve internal stakeholders. That makes a lot of sense. I love that idea. It's it's a very collaborative mindset of, you know, let's grow and get better together and better serve maybe community and folks who can't have access to that necessarily. So that is really uh, honorable, I, you know? Um, Mike, just being mindful of your time, we're going to jump to the fast five lightning round. This is basically five questions to get to know you better for our audience. Uh, first question that we have is what is your favorite book or book you've gifted the most? So in the last year, the, my favorite book was, uh, think again by Adam Grant. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually gifted it to my entire team. So it, it, it checks both of the boxes there. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, question two, who is a person dead or alive who you'd love to meet? I struggle with this. There's so many people that I would love to meet. Um, I, I think that in the end, it, it would have to come down to Jesus Christ. I, I, I mean, whether or not you're, you're religious or not religious or part of like the whole Judeo-Christian, you know, world, I, there's, so, I have so many questions. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with that one. Uh, question three, this one's different. Would you rather have super strength, super speed, or the ability to read people's minds? So I, I thought about this one. Um, I thought about this one. 
I thought, I, I think, you know, at first glance, it was the ability to read other people's minds, but then that could get a little bit scary. And so I think that for me, uh, time is, is my most precious commodity. So I think I would take the speed over mm-hmm. reading other people's minds. Yeah, I love it. Follow-up question. Do you think there's any downside to super speed? Because I think the, like, I, I totally agree. Like reading people's minds, there can be a lot of downsides to that. But super speed, any real downsides to that power? I, I think that the biggest downside would be not taking the time to smell the roses. Mm right if you do everything fast right and you and and like let's say you 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 go for a run right and you and you do your run really really quickly but you don't take in the view yesterday we went on a walk here with our dogs and and it was absolutely gorgeous and and if you if you just sort of ran through that and didn't you know sort of take the time to take a look around and see how gorgeous it was i i think you'd probably be missing something I feel like also you almost would feel like you didn't earn something. So like, imagine you had super speed and yeah, you weren't faster than like Usain Bolt or whatever, but then I wouldn't feel like I earned it. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I'm the fastest person alive. Like I have super speed. Well, that's you're, you're just like a lot, you're just lapping Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? I mean, just be like, yeah, you know. I mean. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right. Question four: What is something in healthcare you believe that others might find insane? I think it's. I, I think. I think it's got to be the red tape. I, mm-hmm. I think that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's the same in 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 Canada. I would imagine it's better, but I think that the amount of time, treasure, and effort that is spent on red tape here on in the United States is. I don't think that anybody has any clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, question five, this one, Josh, we might have to get rid of this question eventually because <laughs> it's now we're basically post COVID now, but lockdown related question. Uh, what is one hobby or activity you got into since the beginning of the pandemic? I, I got to tell you that my hobbies have actually are, were always pretty COVID safe. I mean, <laughs> tennis skiing Mm -hmm. you know i I, so i i actually skied more days in 20 in 2020 than than i had in years um uh and so uh the the wine tasting took a little bit of a hit uh because it's such a social event Mm -hmm. but i i got i i I tried playing pickleball a couple of times but but other than that really no new hobbies it's Mm -hmm. uh it's it's been a uh it, it it's been sort of staying the course. I like I mean I like that you were outside for these hobbies, right? So you, you know everybody else was forced inside. You're able to still get out there. Uh, oh yeah, skiing. I mean skiing is definitely. I mean I, I don't think skiing is definitely a COVID safe, safe sport. Mm-hmm. Um and and as is uh and tennis is is pretty COVID mm-hmm. safe too. Yeah. In, in, indoor skiing is not that much fun. It's uh yeah. Yeah, indoor skiing <laughs> doesn't work very well. Yeah, so no, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't. Although there are places that have like these weird things that you oh, yeah, can practice. Yeah. yeah, it's they're <laughs> very weird. That's amazing. Well, I gotta say I, I tried pickleball as well. I actually quite like pickleball, uh coming from a tennis background, so that you know, I thought it was pretty easy to pick up. And did you did you stick with it or you played it. I've only, and... you know, I've it's, it's I've played it at some dinner parties, and yeah. but I haven't I haven't really stuck with it. It's 
it's fun. I mean, it's I'm sure they'll maybe I'll play it more when I get older. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, that's great. Well, uh, Mike, again, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Um, that's a wrap for this episode of the Digital Patient hosted by CMOSMD. Follow us on Twitter at CMOSMD. And if you like the podcast and you want to learn more, uh, visit www.seamless.md. Uh, Mike, again, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Mike. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.